Good afternoon. It is time for the Legal Weekly Wine for Happy Hour on Friday. My name is Virginia Tarani. And I'm Chelsea Rogers. And we are part of Tarani Law LLC because you never need a lawyer. Till you do. All right. Friday kickoff, our Legal Weekly Wine. Um, it has been a long week. Yes. Um, we are not driving the struggle bus today, I don't think. <laughs> not quite as bad as last week. No. <laughs> not as bad. So we're doing a little bit yes. better. There's still been a lot of interesting things going on in the news. Yes. Um, a lot more smatterings this week. Yes. So we're going to hit a couple of things, um, maybe a couple things fast. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's happy hour, so. We never know where the wine is going to take us. We never know. And it is, what day? I'm going to check the day with my phone today. It is the 27th of January. So in case people need to know, since it is current news, yeah. um, this is the 27th of January, 2023. Um, but even though it's current news, doesn't make it any less relevant for a year from now. It's still interesting. Yes. It's still so um, what's going on in America and really quite fascinating stuff. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, as the weekly wine, because it's wine, we are drinking wine again. It's happy hour. Um, we have got, we loved the 19 crimes yes. wine. And we figured out how to like scan it and see we the little did. interactive thing. It is so cool. It is really cool. So we've got the 19, wine, 19 crimes wine. The last one we did was the Cabernet. Yes. This one. So you may not be able to see the picture that well, but it is absolutely amazing. It's so cool. So this one is called The Banished. And dun, dun, it's got <laughs> scratch marks all over his face. Um, and it is called just dark red. Um, that is what it's called, but the banisher, um, 2021 and oh, this, the banished, the banished. banished. Oh yeah. Sorry. The banished, the, the, the criminal, he was the banished. Yes. <laughs> he was the banished because they were banished to Australia. Yes. So the, the idea behind this one is that there were 19 crimes in the 1800s that would get you banished to Australia. So you would go on a little ship to Australia instead of being executed. Or held in prison in, I guess, England is the idea yeah. of it. Um, so it turned, 19 crimes turned convicts into colonists. Um, upon conviction, these rogues, guilty of at least one of the 19 crimes, were sentenced to live in Australia rather than um, death. I mean, that was some of the colonies in the early uh, United States were the same way. Yeah, they'd go to like the debtors' prison. I, oh, that's right, or like yes, South Carolina or say, something. I, I know can't Georgia. Remember. That's Georgia. where Georgia started. <laughs> Convicts. Um, yeah. So this particular one, I don't know if it's just our bottle or if it's all of the banished ones. I don't know, but this one is in 1866. Um, this was James McNally Wilson uh, was court-martialed for desertion and mutinous conduct and placed aboard. The last convict shipped to sail to Australia. Hmm. He so survived. Essentially he just didn't want to be a soldier. Is that it? Oh. So that what desertion is? He survived a dangerous something. Escape. Oh, escape from his prison um, in Fremantle and fled to New York, spending the remaining years in the U.S., Look at him. To learn more about him, please visit us. So you can, this wine is from Southeastern Australia. 
Um, and you can't, yes, we figured out the app. Sorry for yes. such a long pause on the audio. Um, I am apparently very much over 40 and having difficulty reading up close now, which I never did. So sorry about the long delay, but you go onto the app store and it's living wine labels yes. is what it is. And you open it up and it's so cool because apparently it's, um, several, several different wines. Yes. And um, you can scan the actual, um, like this part of it, the label on the front and it will yeah. show you little mini like movies. <laughs> I know you have to hold it up to the wine bottle and it takes a picture, but then there's this little man that comes out at least on this one and walks around the wine bottle. Yes. And it's set up like on the, on the screen. It looks like the it's like the guard tower is the wine bottle and there's the, the, the convict running around and the guy with the bayonet chasing, chasing him. him. I love it. Capturing him from his prison escape. It is really, really cool. So you scan the label. Um, so we've at least had fun figuring out the yes. app, um, watching the little thing on the label. Um, we highly recommend, at least for entertainment value, this wine. Absolutely. The cab was delicious. I am interested to see I the have red. High hopes. I, I do too because the other one was very good. It was really good. So we are going to try the wine. I tried to do a gulp, but that was so good. Oh, that is really That's good. Really good. High props to the dark red. That is good, and it, the smell is amazing. Mm-hmm. I can a lot of wines. I have to hold my nose over it, but this one I could smell oh, even from just sitting on the on the little bar table here. It's really good. It is very good. I might have a new favorite. I know. I don't know if it'll. Re- I don't know if it'll replace my Lambrusco, but this is really good. It's way sweeter to me than I expected. It is a, a bit sweet. It's much sweeter than the cab. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it but is it's not sweeter. like overwhelmingly sweet because we did the no. raspberry. Was that last week? Yes, the and raspberry was, was very last sweet. Week. That was like candy. Oh yeah, I could. That was delicious. But this is like a good little like medium in between. I'm happy with that. I am. Okay. I, I so really like this one. We're on a good streak. Maybe yes. we'll try out another one next week. Yes. Okay. So we know there's 19 crimes here. What yes. else is going on in the legal world? Oh, all the other week. crimes in the real world today. <laughs> um, wow. So I think we're going to hit, we promised last week that we would check in yes. on the Elon Musk trial. Yes. Um, so and we that's thought one. there was going to be like a big commotion. <laughs> It's hardly been registered. We can, I mean, there were a couple of things on Monday. They were funny, but nothing huge. Nothing huge. It's hardly been a thing that yes. Elon Musk is actually testifying. I've been surprised right. yes. that we'll it wasn't. Into that. Um, yes. Yes. What else are we covering today? Um, we are definitely going to talk about Alec Baldwin. Oh, we have to. It's just it's wild. too prominent. Um, the shooting on the set of Rust. Yes. And he has officially been charged with crimes. Yes. And then maybe we'll touch a little bit on a little update with the shooting in Newport News. Yeah. I think that's that's good. So some of them we've so two of them we've talked a little bit about yes. before, but they're so prominent right now and things are evolving. Yes. Uh, so I think it's worth going back. Absolutely. Um, but the new one for us, at least in talking about, is the Alec Baldwin trial. Oh yeah. That is wild. It is wild. So let's hit the smaller kind of a dud of Elon Musk. Well, I was surprised he testified. Okay. He had to. Well, I guess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have those rights when you're not being charged criminally. (laughs) Right. I promise I'm in law school. (laughs) 
Well, but no, it's good because it's a reminder yeah. and not everybody knows is this is a civil case. It's not a criminal case against Elon Musk. So it's a civil case by the stockholders, shareholders yes. from 2018 when he made a couple of tweets about I'm taking Tesla. We intend to take Tesla private yes. funding secured. I think that's the biggest part of yes. the tweet that's been focused on. And then in a second tweet later that day, it was confirmed funding secured. Yes. So it's a class action suit where shareholders have said, because of your tweets, we invested, we sold or we bought stock and we lost a lot of money because we trusted you. Yes. And in this particular suit, we have the issue where the judge has already decided your statements were false. You right. didn't have funding. They were recklessly false. And so the only real, real remaining questions are, did he know that they were false? Right. And how much, you know, did the, the people actually rely on it? And that's, that is the defense. And I'm pleased to see that our predictions. Yes from last week of what would the trial look like in a criminal trial he does not have to take the stand right criminals have certain rights and they have the right not to testify against themselves um, but in a civil case you don't have that right right um the plaintiff can call you as their witness and make you take the stand and you have to and he did and he did and he seemed prepped for it it didn't seem like oh. this was caught him by surprise but we did get some funny little commentary out of it there there was some funny commentary so from what i could see in the news um there was a little heated exchange between him and the plaintiff's attorney I where i don't know if it was like a slip up or if he meant to do it i don't i can't tell in the way that the the news has been reported but there was one point that the plaintiff's attorney apparently called him mr tweet <laughs> which is some humor i like it i appreciate it little freudian slip there <laughs> so that came out um i think the other interesting thing that has come out of this trial from truly what what seems like a very disappointing trial so far um is the issue about spacex have you yes. seen this not as much but i'm i'll let you tell me how this all incorporates into sort of this tweet about Tesla and what SpaceX has to do with it? Apparently it was a surprise even to the plaintiff's attorney. Oh. Okay, so in a civil trial, you have the ability to do a deposition mm -hmm. beforehand and you get to ask pretty much any question that you want yeah. um, to find out about what they did, why they did it, what their intentions were. Um, it's part of the discovery process, just like if you, it you know, is. had to answer questions or send documents. It's similar to that, right? Exactly. So he apparently in the prior deposition had talked about the Saudi um, deals. So right. allegedly he had texted the he had texted he had done the tweets <laughs> <laughs> here. I can't even keep it straight. He'd done the tweets um, based on the idea that the Saudis were investing or specific Saudis, okay. not Saudi Arabia, but some Saudis had some um, investors. That's where the funding was coming from. Exactly. From, from Saudi Arabia. And he put out the tweet saying mm -hmm. funding secured and all of the different text messages that had been exchanged um, and other information that has come out seemed to indicate that it was a back and forth with these potential investors. So, negotiations, not necessarily 
secured. Yeah. Negotiations, not an agreement. Right. Um, not a final agreement or a final contract, just negotiations. But now on the stand for the first time in this whole case, apparently he's claiming, well, the statement had to be true or I thought it was true because of course I had funding because I had the SpaceX program and I have money in the SpaceX program. So this is interesting because the judge has already ruled that the statement was not true, but it's really arguing what Elon's like his, his mental understanding or his belief was at the time, right? Sort of like a good faith belief that what he was saying is true. Yeah. So they're essentially making the argument. I mean, yes, there were the investors, but it didn't matter because even if that deal fell through, through. I still had this, right? Yeah. And then the plaintiff's attorney is in a good way saying, well, you've never said that before. So all of a sudden, yeah, BS. All of a sudden you're coming up with a, an excuse, which may or may not be good, but it's an excuse and you've never right. brought it up before because really the only investors that you were thinking about, the only funding you were thinking was about at the time secured. was not secured and you knew it wasn't secured. Right. So you can claim today that you didn't, you thought you had other money, but you've never thought that before today. Interesting. And so then, it goes to his credibility. That's what they're yeah. doing. But I think we talked talked about this a little bit last time was that the second argument is that, okay, well, no reasonable investor is going to take my tweets to be true. And he essentially oh my says goodness. that, right? And I have to pull out my, my phone again to do this because... I am vindicated because that was what I believed to be the strongest argument last week. It is. <laughs> it really is. And you predicted it. I love how, like, in thinking about the legal strategies, yes. that's what happened. Because that would convince me. Is he has said... Um, where's this quote? Think of this. Oh, where is that? I've put it um um so he has said essentially i wish i could find this just because i tweet it doesn't mean it's true uh, yeah that's <laughs> basically the the statement that that he made um in in the court trial it, it, i can't find it now but yeah that's that's basically what it was is well nobody believes what i put on a tweet <laughs> right but I did see a really interesting, this is the one thing I saw that I thought was interesting response to that from the other side was, well, your whole thing with Twitter is that you wanted to be able to reach the common, not just these big investors who are pouring millions and billions of dollars, but like yeah. the average person. And there's so many things before all of this where he gave talks, he sat on these shows and said, I use Twitter to reach everyone who's invested. And yeah. it's like, oh. It is one of those moments. Like we said last week, stop talking. Please stop talking. Stop just, talking. just don't. Just don't. And yeah, that yeah. was pretty funny from last week. But <laughs> the, the other thing that we predicted yes. was that the plaintiffs would have to say, I relied on that tweet. I believed he had funding. And because yeah. I believed he had funding, I invested yeah. or I, I sold or I bought. And that's proven true too. Yes is the plaintiffs have gotten on the stand um, and they have been able to say, yeah, I looked at the tweets and when I saw that funding was secured, I thought funding was secured yeah. and it was a reasonable bet. I was making a reasonable action. 
He told me it was true. Right. Funding secured from Tesla is practically gold. And the plaintiffs are saying this. I yeah. relied on that tweet to yeah. make these investments. And I think just you, you, with it being a class action that maybe one person saying that, you're kind of like, uh, okay, but when you have so many people, uh, kind of from all walks of life, you do yeah. have your like common man investors to very experienced investors kind of all saying the same thing. Yeah. So that, that's good. I mean, it's it's coming out kind of like we predicted last yeah. week as to what he would have to say for a defense. Yeah. This, this is his only defense and what the plaintiffs would have to say. So I, I am pleased in a weird way um, that our predictions are coming true. I am hoping that things get a little more exciting with I, the trial. Okay, I'll give another prediction. I'm yeah. less confident about this one. I think the interest and the intrigue will come if they do find him liable yeah, into sort of the back and forth over for what percentage of damages. I think that's where we might have more intrigue. It, yeah. And, and that's the other thing that he's been saying is in addition to the, well, who believes my tweets kind of statement that he made, right. the, the other interesting statement that he made was something to the effect of, well, I say things all the time and the market doesn't react like that. Right. Um, so, it, you know, who knows why it reacts, but it wasn't reacting on my statement. Um, Don't so hold that, my tweets against me. Right. Don't hold them against me. And, yeah. and the idea is, well, let's at least decrease the damage yeah. and what I'm responsible for. Because, okay, even if they relied on them, then that's okay. But the market didn't necessarily do the craziness that it did because of my tweets. Right. So that's his secondary defense that he is using is just because I said something doesn't mean the market reacts that way or the market did react that way or right. everyone reacted that way. That'll be interesting for, to see what experts sort of come in and talk about that. And I haven't seen any. Me I don't know what's happening. And this is, I just don't know if I ha don't have the right access to the right news channels, but I haven't seen anything yet on any other witnesses? No, I, I actually haven't either. I mean, there were a couple, I know from the class action, a couple of those mm -hmm. plaintiffs testified. And him. And him. I but where are the experts? Where's know. the testimony? Um, so hopefully we'll find some more. And yeah. it's that's not been quite as salacious as we expected. I know. It's really been kind of disappointing. Well, there, there's never a, um, a shortage of legal headlines that will blow your mind. Very, very true. So let's go on to the next one. Yeah. Do we want to do the update on the shooting and the important news? Yeah, let's so do let's it. Since we're doing on that update, it's really, yeah, that one's just so sad. Um, not that Alec Baldwin isn't, but it has at least other factors. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully aren't as sad. I don't know. It's all sad. Uh, yeah, it's all I'm kind afraid of sad. most of what we talk about is sad. Yeah, the law is not like made for happy times, right? Like, it's not. if you're ever dealing with the law, something wrong has happened. That's like, true. You're not <laughs> I like the way that you say it, and that's true because yeah. that's even in you know in my practice is people don't come to me for good reasons. They right. come to me because an accident has happened and they're hurt. Yes, uh, it is not the best day of their lives, and if they're going to court, it's not because of a good reason. No. Um. So so yeah, I think you're right. And talking yeah. about legal things and actions, some of them are kind of we find humor in a lot of things. You have to. <laughs> You do. You have to. Um, and interest in a lot of things, which yes. the law is interesting, which is why we're doing this. Yeah. I mean, that's why I went to law school is the law is very, very intricate and interesting. And you have sort of news headline stories yeah. that 
you know, may have, um, like a, a cultural interest or like a political interest, but the legal yeah. issues are often detached from that. And they, and they can be, they're, yeah. they're part of it, but they're not necessarily the whole thing. Absolutely. And they're a little bit different. There's a little bit different analysis. And for this Newport News school yes. shooting, for those of you who don't know or need a little refresher, a couple of weeks ago, maybe like four weeks ago now, mm-hmm. um, a teacher, a first grade teacher was shot by a six-year-old student right. in Richnick Elementary School in Newport News, Virginia. Um, she lived... Um, she actually got other students out of the classroom, very heroic actions and she lived, but the questions surrounding this case are immense of who's responsible. Yeah. That is the biggest question. I think that encapsulates the entire, the entire episode. Who is responsible? I mean, that goes for the Alec Baldwin case too. It's in Elon. Really? It is for the whole episode. Who is responsible? So I think since the last time we've talked, the new information that's come out about this shooting in Newport News was that the teacher was shot twice, once in the hand and once in the chest. Um, My understanding is that she has stabilized, is expected to make a recovery. Yeah. I think she may even be released from the hospital. I think she's been released from the hospital, but is still getting some sort of medical care is my understanding. You have to. I think she might be doing PT at the very least. Something like that. Um, So that's my understanding. But we also have information about one of the biggest things in law school, notice. Who was on notice and when? So we do know mm-hmm. that this six-year-old student had some sort of care plan. Um, intensive care intensive plan. Intensive care plan. The parents have even sent a message out. They've actually done a public statement where they say our care plan was one of us had to be in his class every day. And this was the first day. That was first happen. week. First week. I, I don't apologize. know that it was the first day, but it was the first week that we hadn't been there and we'll regret it for the rest of our lives. Yes. But I mean, seriously, who has this care plan? Right. I've never heard of such a care plan. No, I've never heard of an IEP. Well, one, I think that's a different in terminology. I've not seen the words IEP used, which is a legal document that is formulated inside of a school district to make sure a child with accommodations or needs has those met. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a legal document. Exactly. So I don't know if a care plan is like a euphemism for that because I have not heard anyone know. say an IEP. Um, but I mean, that may have to do with like just not talking about specifics. Right. But it's, it's very odd is what is this care plan? Yes. And Why what did the school so know intensive? and when? Yeah. Because clearly if you have a care plan like that, that would suggest to me that there's some concern about behavior, about risk. Um, it seemed it's been reported that this teacher has expressed concerns about safety for mm-hmm. other students and herself in regard to this student previously and the day of. Yeah. Um, this is so tragic. It's my understanding that the school was alerted that there was a possibility of this gun being on campus. That's my understanding too. Multiple news sources. Check out yes. the NPR, yeah. CNN, Fox News. I mean, everybody's covering this. The school was put on notice, but they did not contact the police department, right? That's my understanding. That was the statement. Okay, so I worked in Newport News um, from 2012 to 2014. I was a prosecutor with the Commonwealth's attorney, and I... I loved the police department. There's Mm -hmm. always, you know, there's always issues in any police department, but I really respected the police department. Um, I thought for the most part, they really did a good job. Um, I don't know what they are now, but I have no reason to, to disagree with that same statement. 
And the most interesting thing that has come out of it for me on a legal side and personal side is the spokesperson for Newport News Police Department said something to the effect of, (laughs) well, it's come to our attention that the school knew or or was alerted that there might be a gun Mm -hmm. on campus prior to the shooting. But then it says... The police department did not receive that information prior to the incident. Right. And so they're saying, look, we couldn't act because right. you didn't give us the ability to. If we had known, that's the, yes. the assumption, right? If we had known, maybe we would have done something different. But you didn't give us the opportunity, but you knew. Yes. And it seems that there was a search of this child's backpack mm-hmm. and no gun was found, which to me means it was either on his person or someone didn't actually search that backpack. Right. Would, I mean, it was somewhere. It was somewhere. And I've never heard of someone not being able to find a gun in a backpack. Right. Like you're talking about a limited space. And this is not like a, an elevated criminal who's like sewing a second lining in. Right. Like the gun was either on this kid or in the backpack. Or maybe he put it somewhere. I mean, That's we don't true. know because it is possible. But there seem to be implications or indications that the child was not searched. Right. And the question in my mind is why? Why not? I mean, not that he should have been strip searched. That seems to be a very far place that's not allowed. But under the constitutional rules and all of the case law on it, it does not seem improper for a six-year-old under the care of the educational system to be at least searched, at least patted down and if they personally. I mean, and clearly they're working closely with the parents for this care plan. Call the parents and, and have them. Like, like, if you, like I get it. If you don't want to physically search a six-year-old, I mean, I understand that that feeling. I but, don't know if I would ever feel comfortable physically searching a child. I love this thought. Bring the, bring call, the parents Call the parents. In. To me, that seems like a very easy way. Keep the kid in the office. Mm. Call the parents. That seems like a simple solution to me. I'm not, I mean, I'm not an educator, but seems easy enough. I also, as we were talking about this, um, I mean, I think anybody who's been in school, like in public school in the last 20, 30 years, um, there's very, very strict protocol to what, what to do if there's an active shooter, what to do if there is a potential, potential. I like have had been in lockdowns in, you know, in high school that were you really, Oh, have you never? Oh, have you? Never? It only. Ha- oh my goodness! Oh, I, we did Columbine all the drills. Happened when I was still in school, and it was the first. Okay, while I was in school, so col- the Columbine yeah. shooting is pretty much the first big one, big mm-hmm. one that's known and is agreed to have happened. And I can't remember what grade I was in when that happened, but I was in middle school or high school. Yeah, and it was the first one, so we never had active shooter drills. We never oh, had so anything. It was me. like, well, this is a one-off. This is absolutely crazy. It will never happen again. Oh, those poor students at right. that school. I actually know someone who went to that school. Wow. Um, but we did tornado drills. Oh, see, okay. <laughs> that is so wild to That's me. That's what I did. I mean, I remember those drills. I mean, going back to elementary school. Um, wow. The, it was just a very like no, like normalized thing of like, and I, I think in the time I was in school, because I was born in 95 mm-hmm. and I graduated high school 
10 years ago now, 2013, I, someone said that to me and I was I like, I need another drink. I need a drink. <laughs> but like sort of the escalation and the improvement of these drills, you know, instead of just pulling a piece of construction paper over the window mm-hmm. and like remaining in your seats, but quiet. I remember that like in elementary, middle school too. Wow. Like escalating and yeah, it was pretty regular, just like you'd practice for a tornado drill or anything else. But we did that, like, if there was even a suspect of anything nearby to the school. And so it seems strange to me that they were alerted about the possibility of a gun in their school and didn't lock anything down. That's wild to me. Yeah. It's going to be an intensive investigation. Things are already coming out. Check the news. We're going to be following this case closely because as a civil attorney, I mean, it's criminal and civil. There are possible criminal charges that could be brought against at least the parents. Yeah. Um, We talked about them before. I'm writing a blog on it. We're putting kind of the talk that we had a couple weeks ago into a blog. So check that out on um, TaraniLawLLC.com. That should be coming out fairly soon. And we go through what are the possible criminal ideas. And there's what's called a CHINS petition, a child in need of services or supervision, where the family and the child could get services through the court system. But there's this secondary idea coming true now of a civil claim. She already has an attorney. Yes. She has an attorney, and that attorney has already said, we're going to sue. In my mind, the only question is who and how many? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I I mean uh, this Name girl, some. I mean, sue the parents, sue the school district, yes, sue the school, sue the particular actors who chose not to lock things down. Any of who the administrators. Search. I this is they're not going to want to take this to trial, I would assume. I wouldn't. I cannot imagine. Honestly, I mean, they may not disclose any settlements. Oh, they're going to. But if I had, as a criminal and civil attorney, and especially civil right now, yeah. I would predict that this is a, over a million-dollar case. Oh, I would think so, too. That this is, you know, potentially millions of dollars. I mean, this girl case. is young. She's, she's younger she's than like I 23, am. 25? Right, she's younger than I am in the she was shot in the chest, right? Like that's going to have lifelong implications for health. Not to mention the trauma, the trauma, the right. traumatic impact is, is she going to be a teacher anymore? Has she decided she can't do her profession yeah. anymore? I mean, all of the implications for her future. And, you know, this is even one where do you sue the mayor? Not that I think that you should, but it's all of these people are considerations. Yes. Should the mayor have instituted some kind of overall policy for the city that yep. wasn't followed? Superintendent, um, like all superintendent of Superintendent of the schools, the schools. This is going to be something I predict that is settled out of court yeah. through probably the school system. I would think so. Um, but the other interesting thing on a personal note is yes. the defense attorney has been named for the, the or the, it's not, he's not called a defense attorney. Um, he's called the family's attorney. Which uh, for our audio listeners, big eye roll here. Um, because right at this point, the parents have not been even named. They have not been charged with a crime and no suit has been filed as of this point. But right, they but have the- retained an attorney and given a statement that to me... It was so such poor taste. Poor taste, exactly. They should, first of all, not have mentioned the teacher as our son's teacher... And then second of all, honestly, the things that they disclosed about their own son and the care plan that they should have been, do not release this in public. And also, 
don't see that because it will be used as you knew at least something about a problem he was dealing with that needed to be addressed and you had to be present for it. And you've put that for the whole world to see. see. We're talking about it. The part that actually like really grinds my gears is them saying, we practice safe gun ownership. No, you don't. The thing speaks for itself. If a six-year-old gets their hands on a gun, you have not practiced safe gun ownership. And I did see one it article. to speak for itself. I did see one article, but it, it wasn't confirmed in a lot of places of where they stored that gun. Oh, I haven't even seen anything so, on it. And I, I'm saying this with a caveat that I've seen it in two or three places, but not and it may widely. may not be true. Which okay, is why, so yes. we are not saying this is truth. Legal, legal caveat for right. ourselves. We but don't I did know. See it. it was more than one source, but it wasn't all of them. That it was, a gun was just kept on a shelf in the mother's closet. Oh, God. Again, I don't know if that's true. I saw it in one or two places, but, but that is not safe to, gun ownership. That they is have not to safe. investigate this. And if... I don't know the facts, but they don't seem to be going in a nice way. If this child had significant behavior problems, then they had a, an extra duty yes. to take extra precaution of the gun in their home. Yeah, I think that, yeah, a six-year-old in general, but this six-year-old in particular, exactly. Based on what they said themselves about he's on a care plan that we're supposed to be with him. There's, there's something underlying here that is not good. Right. Um, I know the defense attorney personally, um, which is so interesting because I'm like, oh my gosh, I know all this. I, I was in Newport News. It's so interesting to me, even that They say angle. it all the time. The legal world is small. And I don't think I realized how small until you, you know everybody. <laughs> I, I don't know everybody, but I do know the defense attorney um, and I know the judges. So I know... At least I, I know and practiced under at least two of the circuit court judges there. I know a third who was my supervisor, my direct supervisor as a commonwealth attorney. She is now a circuit court judge. And one of my other supervisors is now a juvenile court judge. And one of the defense attorneys I knew is another juvenile court judge. So like all of these pieces and players, they're there. And I'm like, oh, what are they going to do? And I want to be a fly on the wall back in this yes. jurisdiction where I seem to remember and know all of these people and these players. Absolutely. I still know people in the police department who are there. Yeah. There's one of my good friends who has gone up through the ranks. So all I want to do is call up these, sorry about the microphone. <laughs> all I want to do is call up these people and say, oh my gosh, can you see it? But I can't. Yes. And nor would I. It's these, this whole legal ethics thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, We're supposed to be ethical, you know, apparently. I know. All I want to do is talk to a judge and get their take, but- yeah. I can't. All I can do is say, how's your dog? Yeah. Right. <laughs> How you doing, friend? How's your dog? It's been a little while. You doing okay? But no. But we'll keep, we'll, I mean, we'll yeah. stay on this, especially with this one. Um, I just think the question of like who can be held accountable for this um, at this point is expansive and I'd, I'd like to follow it and see, but that is the same question that we are asking about Alec Baldwin. Here we go. Let's, let's do Alec Baldwin. We've got a little bit of time for yeah. him because we haven't had this one before and it is everywhere. Yes. So, and it has been for a while, but it was brought back because they're criminal charges. Yes. So this happened this week, the criminal charges in a quick recap and tell me if I miss anything Please. for just the underlying facts is that Alec Baldwin, um, as an actor, he was on the shoot for sort of a lower budget westerny film. Um, I don't know westerny. How many, westerny. I think it was a western. You know, a little like <laughs> uh, <laughs> shoot him out films. <laughs> uh, 
called Rust, and I don't know how long ago this was actually. I think it was last year. Was I think it last it was, year? Oh wait, I'm saying last year, but I think it was 2021, 2021. because yes. I'm I'm now in 2023. So um, okay, yes, that sounds right. So in 2021, it during the filming of this show, um, he fired a gun that he believed to be loaded with blanks. It was not. Um, two people were shot. One of those people passed away, and the other one it's has like a producer of the producer film? of the film. Yeah. Um, and the other person was injured, but has recovered. Um, and there have been civil suits that have already been settled in this matter. They've already been brought. They've already been said. I mean, it's wrongful death, right? right? This is what we're going on. The civil side of this is wrongful death suits. So right. wrongful death suits have been brought saying these people are responsible. Yes. And there have been settlements already. Yes. Um, but what we have now is that. Alec Baldwin and I don't remember her name, but the woman who is the armorer on set, who is in charge of handling all the weapons and ammunition, have both been charged with two counts each of involuntary manslaughter. And I had to look this up because I was like, yeah, why are there two? Two, two counts. Um, they're so, both involuntary manslaughter. So how are there two? Yes. So, and they're both felonies too. I thought one was a misdemeanor oh. and one was a felony. I looked them up. They're both fourth degree felonies. Here's the difference. One is simple negligence and the other is um involuntary manslaughter and i'm gonna like butcher this but it's like while doing a lawful act so it's not something like you broke the law and you caused someone's death you were within the bounds of the law but you still caused a death okay and so the way it works from my understanding is that the jury will have to decide which one they think applies and they'll choose one. Yes, and they'll have to... You, you can't have no, both. No, you can't have both, so they'll have to choose one. Um, the penalty for one of them is five-year mandatory minimum. Oh, a mandatory minimum. Yes. So not even, like, up to five years. It's uh, at um, least five years. Yes. Wow. Um, and the other one... So, again, very big difference here. The maximum is 18 months. And I believe there are fines associated with both, but I feel like that... There usually are. But, was, yeah, I mean... Whatever. The um, fines are negligible compared yes. to prison time. Right. 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 And so essentially they're alleging that, and the prosecutors here are alleging that you knew better and you should have done better. And it seems from my research that there's like an industry standard practice that was not followed here. Um, so the woman who was serving as the armorer was also serving serving working um, <laughs> yeah, we're talking about jail we think of that's serving. I mean. and i'm gonna have another yes. glass of wine you are not up to my speed so you let I me know i feel like i've been talking so much that's a lot <laughs> no i i have been talking a lot too but you let me know no. when you're ready and i'll pour you another glass but this really Thank is you. delightful it is really good so, please go ahead <laughs> my understanding is that they were it was a low budget film um it it seems that the prosecution is alleging that they are cutting corners. And so when you have the person who is in charge of ensuring the blanks are blanks, serving in two roles, you might be cutting corners in procedure. It's my understanding that on a set like this, the sort of standardized practice is that the armorer will come up to the actor with the empty weapon Ugh. and show the ammunition that they're blanks. Apparently you can like shake them and tell the difference. I don't, I don't know. There usually is at least some kind of difference, whether it's a visible difference yes. or an audible difference. There's there's some way most people can tell yes. or be shown that the difference, a difference between and then load the gun in front of the actor, hand it to them to use. Clearly, that's not what happened here. Um, 
What did happen? Do you know? It's interesting. So you have the armorer who like stores, keeps all of the guns and ammunition. You have like a a stage runner, essentially. I don't know what his exact title is, but he's the person who takes the things from- The prop guy. Yeah. He actually was charged criminally and took a plea deal already. Wow. So the guy who just took the gun from one person to the other. Yes. Oh, that's it. Because I- I would have, my inclination as an attorney would have have been, I know to tell my client, you know what? We're going to take it to trial, but it's up to each individual defendant. They have the choice. So if, even if the, (laughs) I tell this to my clients all the time, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I tell it to my clients all the time. Look, I go to a trial a lot. Yeah. I know the courtroom. I like the courtroom. I enjoy the courtroom. Yeah. I'm an attorney, but just because I am willing to try your case doesn't mean you should. If you don't want to go to court, if you would rather do something else, if you would rather take a plea, if you would rather take a settlement, it is ultimately up to you. That's not my decision. Um, And that's what it seems to have happened in this case. Yes. Um, And sorry, my dog is wandering around. He seems very... He stood on my headphones for a second, so I was like a little (laughs) leaning back, but we're good now. Okay. Um, Charlie seems to be trying to get on either up to us or onto the couch, and he can't because we're on a bar table with stools. We're a little high up for his little legs. We are, but he's looking at us very intently. So if you see me looking off camera (laughs) or you hear little sounds in the background or see... Chelsea just dragged back, back. By, by her headphones. You know, it's my dog, Charlie, but we love him. So sweet. So yes. anyway, so he took a plea deal. I would not have, I'm sorry, not even as an attorney, but as someone who has some understanding, I would not have taken that plea deal, but whatever. Wow. Maybe, you know, there's tons of reasons why people do a lot of things. Yes. He took the plea deal. Um, and I believe it was some sort of criminal negligence type of thing, but I don't know. I, but his job is literally just to to take it from the armor to the actor. Yeah. Apparently, according to what I've read on the set, was that the armor did not herself take the gun to Alec. Uh. Alec didn't check it with anybody and fired, pointed it and fired it. Well, let, let me walk that back. The allegation is that he pointed and fired, but... Yes, it does seem that he's saying it went off. Again, for our audio listeners, the eye roll here. From both of us. Um, that seems... Even Charlie's giving an eye And the FBI did analysis on this. Their conclusion was that the trigger was pulled. Um, but I understand sort of, I mean, from a legal perspective of I'm not, you know, you're not going to admit to doing something. And, and don't. I would have told my client the same thing. Don't admit to pulling the trigger. Right. Um, don't. Honestly, I would have told him not to go on television. And he, he has been has. on at least one television interview about what happened. Um, because he's saying that he <sighs> does not bear the responsibility for this. And of course he would, as he oh, should. Right, 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 right. It's not my fault. I And I think that the idea is I'm an actor. Yes. I am given a prop. I trust my producers. I trust my prop people. They're I, the ones in charge. Yes. They're the ones who load the gun. I don't load the gun. They yes. load the gun. They give it to me. That's the procedure. Yes. And I fire the gun. I am supposed to rely on them that these are blanks. Yes. He's like, you right? know, right. He's not the ammunition expert. He's not the weapons expert. Um, and I have That's not seen. That's why they hired any, the armorer. Yes. And I have not seen any statements from her. For, I mean, for obvious reasons. Right? So here's what I think is going to come down to of 
what is it really an industry standard to load the weapon in front of someone? Like, what is that common practice? Agreed. Is that so widespread enough that Alec Baldwin himself would have known he was supposed to do it and just didn't? Right. Um, and then same goes for this armorer, because also this to me is a really bad fact for both of them. Well, I mean, her more than him. But there were other live ammunition rounds found sort of, one was on a prop cart just set up there on the prop cart. One was Mm. in a belt that was supposed to be a costume belt worn by Alec Baldwin at the time. Um, So it does seem to me, my opinion, that you don't just leave bullets around places. Uh, It seems negligent. Seems negligent. Seems reckless. Seems reckless. So I think it's going to be able, you know, what the criminal cases are going to come down to. I think good defense attorneys on both sides are going to have to say it was her fault. It was his fault. You have to point That's the That's what finger. the defense has to be because there's no debate about what happened. The, A gun on set went off and killed someone, right? It negligently went off, right? Because you have to say with the involuntary manslaughter, yes. the, the idea with the prosecution is that this was not done on purpose. Right. This is not, he did not want to kill anybody. Right. I don't think that's even being sort of. And that's the charge right. is it's not, you know, first degree murder. It's not even second degree murder where you agree that you meant to kill somebody, but you have an excuse as to why it was done. Right. But the involuntary manslaughter is you really didn't mean to kill somebody. Right. But the actions that you engage in were so reckless that they did. Right, you just had such a disregard for human life mm-hmm. that you didn't you didn't think enough about it. You should have thought enough about it. Yeah. Usually, that's civil, but there are criminal charges, right? And a lot of people are saying that this prosecutor is just trying to cut her teeth, is just trying to make a name for herself, is just trying to make an example out of someone yes. when in any other case they wouldn't have. But what other cases are there of this? Yes. Not n- normal people don't have armorers that they get get a gun and they shoot randomly at other people with blanks. This isn't a normal thing. Absolutely. And I think that her statement, um, not quoting exactly, but was that we're not going to let anybody get away with this. Not because you're an A-list actor. That's not what this is. The law is the law. And so I kind of understand that from their perspective. Um, I also think the person trying the case probably was the one who made that call, you know, when it comes she to... She was a special prosecutor. Right. So she was specially appointed from either another jurisdiction or outside of the the criminal law. I, I'm not sure. I didn't check on her background. No. But she was specially appointed to review the yes. case and to decide if and what charges would be brought. Absolutely. I do agree that if there are criminal charges, it shouldn't have been first degree murder. It oh, shouldn't have been not. second or whatever they're called in his particular yes. jurisdiction. But so I don't disagree yeah. with the charge charges that yes. she came up with, but I do wonder how likely criminally it will be to prove it civilly. Civilly seems- I think you have a great case I, I against agree too. so many people. I also feel, and this is, again, my opinion on the law, that something like this, I really don't see the benefit in pursuing criminally. And like, I guess civilly, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, take his money, right? Because that is so negligent Yeah. by everyone there. Take their money. However, criminally to me, it comes back to me, like, what is the purpose of our, of our criminal system? Right. I really, and 
again, these are just my thoughts on the law. That well, this, it's your opinion, and that's yeah, fair. But you, it just you can have like one too. A lot of resources going to punish someone who is not going to do this again is not like a risk. Like this is not someone who, right? You know what I mean? So yeah. I have a lot of feelings just not that they shouldn't be accountable, but I don't really see the benefit in pursuing this criminally. Yeah. Civilly all day long. Absolutely. There is negligence. There is clear to me negligence yes. all day long by some or many people right. on this set as to how does a, how are there this even should have never happened. live bullets that's what I don't set. understand. We're filming a movie. How? Why are there why are there live rounds ever? That shouldn't be allowed at all. That right. that should be a given. There is no way that this is not negligent. But who brought the live rounds in? Yes. That's what I would want to know. Yes. Who brought the live rounds in? Why were there live rounds on the set? How did they get into this gun? Who put them into the gun? I think for Alec, for civil and criminal, yeah. it will really come down to what were the standard procedures in the industry, yes. like you said? That's very good. But the other question will be, what were the standard procedures on this set? Yeah. Is this can't have been the first time a gun was used, right? Right. This is a Western. I mean, right. maybe it was the first time the gun was used, right. which it would be a factor to consider. Is this yes. the first time? But if it's not the first time, then what had they done before? Yes. Was it standard for the armorer to come out, to shake the bullet, to open the gun, to show him? Was it his responsibility to also look? Right. Or had they bypassed that completely? Right. Were they kind of cutting corners all around? Or was today or that day the only day that they sort of deviated from that practice? To yeah. me also. And so we briefly had a conversation with <laughs> Virginia's husband about... Mm -hmm. Because I was very adamant that guns don't just go off, right? Like, and he said, yes, any modern gun, which was interesting to me because I didn't yeah, really right. consider the fact that it was a Western and they might not have been using modern guns. And that, from my understanding, I'm going to butcher his explanation, but essentially, <laughs> like, the amount of force needed to pull a trigger is usually pretty standardized on modern weapons. Yeah. But back then, questionable. And it could, if it had a lower sort of pressure point, be dropped or be mishandled and really just go off. And that's the question because it seems incredible. Yes. N not in a good way, like incredible, yay, but like, but like really not believable. Yes. When, and we hear them say, Alex say, it was well, in my hand. It was and in my it hand fired. and it just went off. Well, no. It, people pull be the trigger. Real. Be so for real right now. <laughs> you pulled the trigger. Say you didn't know it was in there. Yes. You didn't know what would happen. You believed it was a blank round. The FBI said the trigger was pulled. And and that's what I think is going to come down to is it's not credible overall. The jury would believe it's yes. not credible to say, well, I didn't know I was firing. Unless they come back the and say, hey, there was only, there was a really, it was an antique gun that only had, you know, one pound of pressure needed. Right. To me, that would be but what is incredibly the, convincing. And, and it might be. And yeah. maybe that's what's going to come out in this trial. I'm very fascinated in yes. this case. I think it would have to be a trial. I don't know. I mean, I certainly... I don't think he's going to take a plea deal. He's not. As a defense attorney, especially for Alec Baldwin, I would suggest he not take a plea deal. Now, the armor, 
The armor is a different story. The armor, I would probably suggest take some kind of plea deal. And as a defense attorney, I would have said, the you know, argued with the prosecutor of what are the lesser included? Can we get a misdemeanor? Can we get probation? Yes. Can we get that anything? Was, let me clarify now that you said it reminded me. The five-year mandatory minimum was because there is a firearm. In um, the commission? No, no, no. It's like what, I mean, kind of, but it's the add-on. What is the word I'm looking for? Um, aggravation aggra- aggravated yes that is why um the one charge sorry when you said a lesser included reminded me that that was a, a specific add-on to yeah one of them so as a defense attorney i would be arguing for let's make this a, let's change this charge let's get yeah. it lesser sentence because on the face she does seem to be the out of the three of them the most culpable of those involved at least sitting here you're supposed to be an expert right i think that to me, even in, and I'll say this as a little final statement, um, as a prosecutor, former prosecutor mm-hmm. in Newport News, as we clearly established, <laughs> um, when I would pol- put police officers on the stand yeah. and if there was a weapon involved in the case, now there would be plastic through, there would be plastic ties yeah. on the gun so that you knew there was no ammunition in it. Absolutely. But even then... Even in a court of law, when you knew it was just a weapon that was in evidence, yes. you knew that how many police had already checked the yep. the safety of the gun, you would take the zip tie off or the plastic pieces off of the gun, yeah. and you would still hand it to the officer and in front of the jury make it safe. You would yes. have the officer in a courtroom, even though you knew the gun was safe and everybody knew the gun was safe. Was safe. The police officer still touching the gun. The first thing that they would do is make sure it was safe. And that, and I think that was another statement people made is that that's the number one rule of gun safety. Anyone who's owned a gun, been around guns, is safe. you treat every gun like it's loaded. Yes. And yes, like you said, even people who are experts, police officers, they do treat every gun like it's loaded. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it seems that you, you like broke the number one rule of like trigger discipline. Well, and the add on of like, right. Trigger discipline. How are you holding a gun that it just goes off? You aren't holding it in a safe way, but treat it as if it is loaded. Yeah. All right. So three different <laughs> cases, three civil yeah. implications, plus a couple ca- criminal implications. Yes. I, the law is so fascinating. With the overall question of who is responsible. And that's a great theme. Last week was the theme was don't talk. <laughs> this week's theme, I think, is correct, is yeah. who's responsible. That's the question. Who is responsible? Who could be responsible? Who is responsible? And how do you prove what facts would line up yeah. to prove that any one of these people is responsible from Elon Musk to the Virginia school shooting. Yeah. It's not black Alec and white Baldwin. for any of them. It's not. There's good and bad facts sort of all around. Mm-hmm. And what are they? And I think that's yeah. that's going to be interesting. We'll see if the Musk trial is over next week or at yes. least if there have been an expert or two. I really want to see an expert. If it wraps up, we'll definitely kind of c- like conclude that. We'll follow give you the update. The- um yeah, that one we're going to follow. And we'll yes. see what else happens. Um, it is always a different week. Yep. Today was a January week, the last uh, full week in January. We look Wild. forward to February. Where did January go? Right? Is it still really 2023? A 12th of 2023 is gone. Math. 
Look at, I had to redeem myself. <laughs> redeem the mats. Yes, it's good. Um, so we are the Legal Weekly Wine. I'm Virginia Tarani. And I'm Chelsea Rogers. We are with Tarani Law LLC because you never need a lawyer. Until you do. Like us, follow us, subscribe. Um, we are on podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube. Um, yeah, we some. do have the, the YouTube channel because sometimes it's, it's more fun to watch. Um, yes. We don't have as much editing in terms of adding things, but at least you can see our facial expressions. Yes. You can see the wine bottles. You can see the wine. You can't see our dogs in this one. Um, but either way, check yes. us out. Pay attention. Um, pay attention. I'm pay attention <laughs> to myself. Do something for us. Um, yes. No. Drop a wine. If you're going to do something for us, drop a wine recommendation. Let us know if you try this. This really might be my new favorite. I am really loving this 19 Crimes. I'm happy with it. And I even poured a second glass and I'm enjoying it. I might join you on that in just a second. You really should. I'll pour you one at the the end. But please, drop us a line as to which wine you want us to choose. Drop us a line as to what legal issue in the the U.S. you want us to review. There are so many happening. We tried to pull the the most important or not the most important, but the sort of the biggest headlines. But if there's yeah. something crazy going on near you, let us know. Tell us. We'll even do a special segment. Whatever yes. we need to do. Um, we're having fun. We hope you grabbed a nice glass of wine um, to join us for this happy hour. Have a great weekend. Have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you again next week. <laughs>